For those of you who are guests, uh, my name is Corey Shida. I'm the senior pastor of Evergreen SGV. It is my privilege also to welcome you, and I hope that uh, you would uh, enjoy worshiping with us our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, our church has been very blessed over the years. Uh, we have had a, a multiplicity. We've had many, many uh, men on staff, pastors, who are capable of preaching and teaching the Word of God. Uh, so we sort of take turns uh, preaching and, and teaching. Uh, one of the uh, senior staff members, however, who has not had an opportunity to preach in our 20-year existence is um, Pastor Kevin Cho, who is our senior associate pastor of administration. And this is by agreement between Kevin and I because of his vast administrative responsibilities. And so, uh, but however, as the Lord would have it, um, Pastor Rocky Seto, who's the acting um, senior pastor over the staff, and uh, the senior associates felt like this is Kevin's time to preach and teach the Word of God. Uh, in part, maybe because his mother's in Japan today, <laughs> and it's like almost, it's after 12 midnight, so she's probably asleep and can't worry about this uh, event, this preaching event. But uh, we're very privileged to have Kevin preach this morning. So let's give a warm welcome to one of our own, Pastor Kevin Cho. Good morning. Uh, yes, my name is Kevin Cho. Um, I am one of the pastors on staff. I'm also the church administrator. Uh, thank you, Pastor Corey, for uh, that introduction. Um, you know, we, we were joking with my mom before she left. She said she was going to ask somebody to uh, FaceTime her in, in Japan so she's, <laughs> she could watch. But uh, she's probably, if she's not sleeping, then she is uh, fervently praying that, uh, <laughs> that uh, I preach well this morning. But um, it is truly a blessing to uh, be able to share uh, with you this morning. This morning, we are going to be uh, looking at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. So if you'll turn with me there, Romans is the sixth book of the New Testament, right after the four Gospels and Acts. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 18. If you'll all rise with me uh, for the reading of God's word. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not unwillingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. And a hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. We join me in prayer. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the truth that is found in your scriptures. And Lord, I pray that as we look to your word this morning, that you would teach us and draw us near to your heart. And Father, may everything that happens today, everything that happens in this service, bring you glory, praise, and honor. Thank you, Father. Lord, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. 
This morning, uh, we are continuing our transformational transition series. And so, uh, if you remember, in early September, Pastor Dan kicked off the series with uh, the theme statement. Uh, the theme statement being this, thriving in transition in ways that lead to transformation comes through the everyday practices of praying for wisdom, lamenting in community, holding on to hope, stepping out in trust, and maintaining perspective. And so the following week, Pastor Victor talked about rejoicing in the trial, during trials and seeking wisdom from the Lord in the midst of those trials. You know, trials give us an opportunity to grow in our faith and to prove um, to ourselves the faith that the Lord has given to us. Two weeks ago, Pastor Kenny shared about lamenting over what we're losing in the midst of transition and how we are to trust God with those laments, to give those to the Lord. We're to trust him that one, he, he hears us, and two, we're to trust him that he is going to do, and do something with those laments and act on our behalf. And last week, Pastor Rocky spoke about training ourselves in godliness by immersing ourselves in the word so that we might become more and more like Jesus. And so this morning, we're looking at the role that hope plays during periods of change and transition. Now, hope is key because without it, when we're faced with either difficult situations or um, even just simply change in life, without hope or if we hope in the wrong things, we could be left discouraged, disappointed, or even in depression or despair. And so we'll start off this morning with the question, what is hope? What is hope? I mean, we all have hopes and dreams, right? We, we have dreams of what the future may hold. We have expectations of things to come. We have wishes that uh, we hope to come true. Webster defines having hope as desiring with expectation of fulfillment or wanting something to happen or to be true. And so we can hope for something good in the future or if we're faced with a difficult or hard situation, we can hope for a positive change in our circumstances. Uh, a couple examples, we can hope that, you know, maybe we have this roommate that we've had a conflict or a difficult time with. We could hope that they would be open to uh, reconciliation with us. In the workplace, we can hope that our boss would notice our extra effort, how we've stayed long hours, and hope for a promotion or a raise. Maybe we hope that our son or daughter will become a doctor or a lawyer or other business professional. You know, what things do you hope for? In, um, in the summer of, of 2006, I had just graduated high school. And um, as I was transitioning from high school to college, we found out that my dad um, had, had cancer. He had uh, renal cell carcinoma, kidney cancer. And so um, once the doctors found out, um, they started doing their tests and they wanted you know, the scans and um, all these different things. And so their course of treatment was surgery. They said, uh, it seems like the, the tumor is contained to the kidney. And so um, we think if we just remove the kidney, then everything, everything will be fine. Um, and so they were, they were confident that the cancer was contained and my dad had surgery and the doctor said, hey, it's success. We removed the kidney, everything looks good. And so in this situation, there were a lot of things that, that even I hoped for. You could say that one of those hopes that I had was that the doctors were correct, that, um, you know, that they were right in the cancer being confined just to the kidney. 
that's what I wanted to happen. That's what I wanted to be true. That was the desire that I expected to be fulfilled. And so, if we think, though, about this, this type of hope, at the core of this type of hope, hope how the world defines it, there's a certain level of uncertainty that's present because the future is unknown. Uh, we hope for things, but we aren't certain of things, right? In the, in the examples that I gave before, um, you know, we may hope for reconciliation with our roommate, but we're not certain that the roommate wants to repair that friendship and relationship. We're hopeful for a promotion or a raise, but we're not even certain if our boss has seen the hard work and the effort that we've put in. We're hopeful that our son and daughter might want a good career, but we're not certain if they're interested in these fields. In my case, uh, there was no certainty that my dad's cancer had not spread or that the doctors were able to remove anything. There was uncertainty there in the future in these situations. And so even in circumstances that may seem promising, there's still not enough there within the situation itself to have securely anchored hope. And so if we stop at how the world defines hope, with its level of uncertainty, we lose out on the hope that God intends for us to have. Hope that is certain because it's grounded in the truth of Scripture. Romans encourages us, the book of Romans encourages us with this biblical certain hope. You see, Romans was written by Paul to a church that was divided. It was written to assure the people of Rome that their hope, and our hope as well, is found in Jesus, and that their identity and our identity is in the assurance of who we are in Christ. As we go through Romans, uh, these verses in Romans, it'll show us that biblical hope is more than just wishful thinking. It's more than simply wanting something to happen or to come true. Biblical hope is a confident hope, a certain hope, because it's based in the truth. Let's, let's start looking at uh, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Let's pause there. So the first thing we see here is that earthly suffering is not an eternal reality. Here the sufferings that Paul talks about encompasses the full range of human experience. Experiences that I'm sure many of us are, are familiar with. Sickness, injury, natural disaster, financial loss, poverty, hunger, even death. But it could also be things that don't sit right or maybe are just circumstantial and are hard to swallow or things that cause us inner uh, emotional turmoil. If we are hopeful in our suffering only to the point of wanting something to change so that we can go on to something that we perceive as better, then we subscribe to a worldly definition of hope a worldly definition of wishful thinking that is filled with uncertainty. As followers of Jesus, however, we are hopeful that our present condition and our sufferings will come to an ultimate end. There is certainty in this biblical hope. We wait and we hope for something more. We wait for glory to be revealed to us. As followers of Christ and as sons and daughters of God, our suffering is earthly whereas our glory is heavenly. Our suffering, when compared to glory, is short, compared to the glory which is forever. Our suffering, while no doubt painful and seemingly never-ending, has a limit. 
It has a stopping point, whereas our glory is limitless. Our suffering is confined here to our mortal, corrupted bodies, whereas our glory will be in our perfected, imperishable bodies. And there's confidence in this. Colossians 3 verse 4 says, When Christ, who is in your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Jesus is coming back. That is certain. When he does, he will be in glory. So too is a promise that we will be in glory with him. Our hope for glory gives us the strength that we need to persevere through the sufferings that we experience. Hope is not the end goal, but the means by which we are able to persevere during this period of waiting. Let's continue on in Romans, verse 20. For the creation was subjected to futility, not unwillingly, but because of him who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and to obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Let's pause there. So creation, right? If you remember the creation account from the book of Genesis. In Genesis 1, God um, created the heavens and the earth. Um, he created everything in six days, and the seventh day he rested. Then we get to Genesis 2. It goes into more detail about how man and woman were created. And then we get to Genesis 3, right? The fall of man as sin enters the world. And it's because of man's sin in Genesis 3 that no part of nature now exists as God intended it to be and how it originally was. You see, there was never supposed to be famine. There was never supposed to be disease. There was never supposed to be allergies. Creation was made to be good, and it was perfect for the worship of God. But when the fall happened, creation changed. Creation was corrupted by the sin of man. But the hope is that that's not the end of the story. Through Jesus, God brought forgiveness to man and redemption to the world. In other words, just as man brought corruption to the universe, so man's restoration to righteousness will be accompanied by the restoration of the earth and, its, and the universe to its intended perfection and glory. Creation will be restored to its glory when God brings the new heaven and the new earth. This is certain. This is the hope that creation has. Just as there's hope for mankind, there's hope for creation as well. Verse 23, And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we, eagerly, as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, and so because the Holy Spirit now dwells in us, his work in us and through us is uh, a type of spiritual first fruit, if you will. They're a foretaste of the glory that awaits us in heaven when our corrupted and our mortal bodies ex are exchanged for ones that are incorruptible and immortal. Through the power of the Spirit, we are able to truly worship and serve and obey and love God here and now in spite of still being here on earth battling the sinful desires of the flesh. We wait with anticipation, with hope, for the spirit of adoption that Paul talks about early on in, in Romans 8, verse 14. Uh, we, we wait with, um, with hope for the ultimate perfection 
when we're welcomed into the presence of God as his sons and daughters. For in this hope we were saved. Verse 24, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is not seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. You see, our hope is not based off of wishful thinking or probability, but on the integrity of the clear promises of the Lord. Our hope is not that we might, our hope is not that we might not lose our salvation, but by our own Lord's guarantee, we cannot lose it. We will not lose it. We won't see a full picture of what the redemption of our bodies looks like in this lifetime. But since our hope is based on God's promises, the completion of our salvation and the redemption of our bodies is far more certain than we can see, than anything we can see with our own eyes. We're certain of this because it's found in the truths of Scripture. This is not wishful thinking or desiring something to happen or be true. This is biblical hope, hope based on the truth of Scripture. And so what do we do? We, we wait. We wait and we trust in the Lord. Hope is not the end goal, but the means by which we are able to persevere during this period of waiting. The goal is transformation. The goal is to become more like Jesus in how we live, how we think, how we act. The goal is the redemption of our bodies. The goal is glory. And there's certainty in this goal. In Philippians Chapter 1, verse 6, Paul says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. We have confidence that the Lord, who is the author and perfecter of our faith, will bring his work to completion. So what do we hope in? What do we hope in? We hope in the truth of the gospel that we who were once sinners are now adopted sons and daughters of God. We hope in the character of the Lord. We know that the Lord is faithful. We know that God is true. We know that he is just and righteous and holy. We know these things because they're found and grounded in the truth of scripture. And we're hopeful because no matter what our situation is, we know God. And we know that God is sovereign, that he has a plan, he is moving, he is acting. Hope comes as we, hold, as we hold on to what we believe and know to be true about who God is and about the gospel. And so what about our church transition? Where's, where's the hope in our church transition? If our hope is in Pastor Corey, that he um, is gonna lead us through, this, through the transition with grace and with, with wisdom, which, don't get me wrong, he definitely is doing. Um, what happens if, in the process of leading us, it's not, he doesn't lead us in the way that maybe we think we should be led. Do we still have hope? Or what happens if uh, our hope is in Pastor Rocky? Uh, you know, we've been, uh, we, we know Pastor Corey, we've seen him in ministry for 40 years, uh, and our hope is that Pastor Rocky is gonna be just like Pastor Corey, that he's gonna lead in the same way, that he's going to preach the same way, that he's gonna have the same vision. Okay, what happens if that's not the case? Do we still have hope? Or what if our hope is that Evergreen SGV, um, the way it is, the ministries and the, the structure of the church will stay the same, 
what if our hope is the ministries and the structure of the church change? You know, what happens if the ministries here at Evergreen SGV don't look like the way that we think they should? Do we still have hope? If our hope is hope how the world sees it and how the world defines it, then there's so much uncertainty and we're setting ourselves up to be disappointed. But if our hope is in Jesus, if our hope is in the good shepherd, if our hope is in the living water, if our hope is in uh, him who died on the cross, then that is the true and biblical hope. Because Jesus is the one that is going to guide us and direct us and feed us. If our hope is in God, who loves us and will carry us through every season of life, through the ups and the downs. Hope in the truth of the gospel allows us to see our current situation for what it is, but also to look past it and to see God in the midst of what's going on in our circumstances. The world's view of hope is situational, it's temporal. A biblical view of hope is eternal. The world's view of hope longs for a change in situation, in circumstance, in outcome. A biblical view of hope longs for a true heart transformation. We have a fully assured, confident hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And this hope in Jesus leads to a greater faith in Jesus. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. John Piper says this about faith and hope. Wherever there is full assurance of hope, there is faith. Faith is the full assurance of hope. Biblical faith is a confident expectation and a desire for good things in the future. A biblical hope that is grounded in the truth leads to a greater faith. We know the truth of the gospel. We know who God is. And this gives us hope. It gives us a confident expectation of the good things to come, which leads to faith and trust in our Lord. And so there is tremendous power in hope, but misplaced hope or hope placed in the wrong thing only sets us up for disappointment. We can hope that our straight A's in high school and our extracurricular activities will get us into the best university. We can hope that the best internship will set us up for the best career possible. We can hope that the fertility treatment will give us a child that we so desperately desire. We can hope that the new cancer drug will cause the disease to go into remission. Or maybe we're faced with circumstances where it seems like there's little hope or there's no, even no hope at all. Maybe your son or daughter has completely turned their back on the Lord. Maybe you're facing the reality of providing care for aging or sick parents. If our hope is rooted in circumstances, what happens when the end result isn't what we expect or hoped for? What happens if you don't get into your top choice university or even your second, third, or fourth choice university? What happens if you don't get and don't have the ideal career? What happens if you can't get pregnant? What happens when the cancer treatments don't work? What then? If our hope is not rooted in the gospel, 
in the sovereignty of God, in the truth about God that is found in Scripture, our hope will not last. In, in late 2006, um, the, the doctors, again, seemed confident that they had gotten all of my dad's cancer. Um, and so, you know, we were, we were happy, we rejoiced. God had, had taken care of my dad. And then um, a year later, he started experiencing pain. Pain in his lower back, pain in his abdomen, pain in uh, his thigh. Um, and in 2008, we found out that the cancer had returned. And it was, it was all over the place in his entire midsection, kind of from his knee all the way up to his chest. It was just all over the place. And, um, you know, later that year, 2008, he passed away. And so this year, it'll be, it'll be 10 years since, since my dad passed away. And, you know, the, the past 10 years, there have been good times, there have been tough times. And don't get me wrong, it's not been, it's, it's not been easy. It's never easy losing someone that you love. But if my hope was in the wrong place, if my hope was in the doctors, my hope was disappointed, I was disappointed because they didn't know the full extent of the disease's progression and their course of action was incorrect. If my hope was in the surgery to remove the kidney, then it was disappointed because the surgery was only partially successful. If my hope was in the medications, it was disappointed because they didn't work. I remember taking my dad to UCLA on various occasions for various trials. He was on a number, he tried a number of different drugs and, and none of them worked. But if my hope was in God, not that God was beholden to me, not that my hope was based on whether or not God would heal my dad. No, if my hope was in, as verse 25 says, what we do not see, or if my hope was in, as verse 23 says, the redemption of our bodies, if my hope was in the truth that my dad's pain, my sadness, my mom's mourning, was not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us, then that hope is not disappointed. That is the hope that allows us to persevere. The hope that trusts that God is working and moving, the hope that seeks the one who sees all and knows all, the hope that leads to greater faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus. This is the hope that saves us and sustains us. And so in seasons of transition, the hope that we hold on to must be anchored in the truth of the gospel. The truth that Jesus died to redeem that which is lost and broken. The truth that we have been rescued from sin and death. In seasons of transition, we hold on to the hope that God is doing a transformative work in us through the power of the cross. And what better reminder of the hope that we have in Jesus than coming before the communion table as we do in the first Sunday of every month. You know, all who have confessed Jesus as their Lord and Savior are welcome to come forward and partake. And as we partake of the bread, which represents the broken body of, of Jesus, and drink of the cup, which represents the shed blood of Christ, we remember the sacrifice that it took to pay the price of sin and death. The truth that we who have confessed Jesus as our Savior and submit to him as our Lord gives us the hope that one day our faith will be sight. Will you pray with me as the servers come forward? 
this morning, if you've never confessed Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, and if you would like to do so, I'd like to give you an opportunity to do that right now. In the quietness of your heart, repeat these words, uh, making them your own. Father God, I am a sinner. I need you, Lord. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe Jesus rose on the third day. I ask him into my life as my Lord and Savior. And I commit to following him all the days of, of my life. I close off your prayer with amen. And if you prayed that prayer with me, welcome to the family of God. Now, I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith with all heads bowed and eyes closed with the exception of our pastors. Would you please raise your hand and raise it high so that we can greet you after the service and encourage you and walk with you. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this time. Lord, I thank you for the truths that are found in your scripture. I thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus. And Father, as we come um, before your table, please fill us with that hope, hope that is found through your Son. Thank you. Lord, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.